Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for this week's sermon. I'm excited to share with you a message I believe the Lord has given me that is going to challenge you and strengthen and encourage your heart for the journey God has you on. Stick around afterwards so I can say a prayer over you, your situation, and your family. Thank you again for joining us. Amen. Acts chapter 19. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. We're going to read several verses of Scripture, and for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, um, the birthday of the church, and we're going to celebrate that. And that night, you already heard it once, but that night, we are having a, a combined service. I'm so, I love this because the kingdom of God, I love what God is doing at Landmark Church, but the kingdom of God is so much bigger than just Landmark Church. We believe in the capital C. We believe in the church. And so next Sunday night, we are joining with Memorial Assembly of God and any other churches. If you want to get word out, anybody's welcome to come. But it is going to be a specifically a Pentecost Sunday celebration. And uh, it'll be that night here. And we'll, our worship teams will be doing some things. And I'll say a few things. And Pastor, it's going to be two Pastor Justins. You may be in trouble that night with that. But Pastor Justin Sims will be bringing the word as well. Amen. Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they had heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were, when, when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus by both Jews and and Greeks. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Father, we thank you for your word today. And Father, we readily admit we need you every moment of every day to make it. The Holy Spirit, we want the fullness of what God has for us. And Father, today as we hear, just get, make, make us tuned in right now to what you are saying and what you are speaking. I pray for all distractions to go, and may we listen for the next few minutes to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. We thank you that you are living in us and among us. Thank you for your presence that we feel today. We give you this time in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and by the power of the Holy Spirit and all God's people together said, Amen. Look at your neighbor and say happy Memorial Day. Give somebody a high five and you may be seated. (laughs) 
I, I love the Bible, I love the Word of God, all of it, but if we're honest today, there are parts that we just enjoy reading um, more than others at times. We just, we love certain books, and I've always been a big fan of John, probably because John is very simple, and sometimes my dense brain needs that simplicity to understand. But the book of Acts is one of my favorites. And maybe it's, I'm a very fast-paced person. I walk fast, talk fast, always have been that way. And, and the book of Acts moves fast. There's things happening. Churches are being planted. People are being healed. I know it's not happening. I know this is a span of years that is going on. But I love to, book, to read the book of Acts and just the movement. But if I'm honest today, I feel like there is a disconnect between what I read about the early church and what I see in operation among us today. There's a disconnect between what I see happening with the early church and how they operated and what I see happening in churches today. If we're honest today, and by this I don't just mean Landmark Church again, I mean the capital C, but for years now the church has seemed to get caught up more in entertainment, more in tickling ears, more in drawing people to just make sure they're okay and entertained than we have really preaching the gospel and seeing things happen. But the Bible, listen, we're good at talking about it. But the Bible is more than just to be talked about. I believe it's to be lived. It's to be experienced. We preach it and we believe it. But also, we believe we're called to experience the gospel as well. Amen? This is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. He said, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Not in word, but in power. In other words, it's not just to be talked about. It is in word in the sense that this is the word of God. But if we're not careful, we get up and we have these services and we come together and we talk about the gospel and we talk about what God can do and we talk about the Holy Spirit moving and then we walk out these doors and we live like nothing we ever talked about in here is really true. We live out there the same. And I believe the disconnect is this, because the early church understood something. Here's the truth. Uh, A.B. Sim uh, Simpleton said this one time. She said that if you took the Holy Spirit out of the churches today, 95% of what we were doing could still happen. If the Holy Spirit was removed, 95% of what we do could still go on. And here's the thing I'm trying to say to you is, I believe the early church, the reason they saw the things that they saw, the reason the miraculous took place, I know some people say, well, it was just because God was starting the church and He wanted those things. We are a church that still believe in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit today. That it wasn't just for the early church, but the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever and we believe that God is still moving he is still working miracles he is still changing lives and I believe the early church the difference was they knew without the Holy Spirit they could not make it they recognized they needed the Holy Spirit in their life and my fear is the church has got to the place where we can do it on our own we can do it without him but friends I want to tell you without the Holy Spirit we are nothing more than a country club without the Holy Spirit it is nothing more than us just gathering and having good services and going home but we believe we have been called to be the body of Christ we have been called to allow the Holy Spirit to operate in power and for him to go forth to make a difference that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to change lives and we believe that the word of God is not just to be talked about but it's to be lived and experienced amen So we come to our text today and Paul shows up 
in Ephesus. He had been in Corinth, and now he shows up in Ephesus. And um, I wish all of you could take a trip that I took in 2015. Uh, it was a trip to Turkey to see the seven churches. And I would love to go back someday, and I want to spend a day or days at Ephesus. Ephesus has is, is the, been the largest uncovered area that we have. And there's so much history there. It's just beautiful. So much to see. And, and Ephesus, the reason this is important, because Ephesus became one of the largest churches in the New Testament. Timothy would go on to pastor Ephesus. So whenever Paul is writing to Timothy, telling him how to pastor, he's talking about the church of Ephesus. And on a side note, also John, the beloved disciple, it is said that he lived in Ephesus because when you're standing in Ephesus, if you look out in the ocean, there's a little island out there called the Isle of Patmos. And that is where John was sent whenever, and then, and then while he's exiled to Patmos, he gets the revelation given to him that we understand as the book of Revelation. And so John, and then also tradition tells us that Jesus was on the cross. He tells John, the disciple, take care of my mother. He tells him, woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. And that John um, went the rest of his life taking care of Mary. And so there's a house there that Mary is thought to have lived in and died there. So Ephesus has so much history. It's so rich. And Paul shows up and there's not a church. There's disciples, but he doesn't know what they're disciples of. They believe in something, but he doesn't know. He can tell they're following repentance. But what else is there? And so we asked them a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Because to understand this, we don't talk like that now, but to understand this, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, we understand that we're, we're Trinitarian. We believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But in that day, when Paul said that, what he's telling them is, what exactly were you baptized into? Were you baptized in, into the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit filled you? Or were you just baptized? Into, what are you following? And, 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 and they look at him and say, Say, we were baptized in John's baptism. So at some point they had heard John the Baptist. Somebody had come from John the Baptist and preached to them about repentance. But if you remember even in, in the Gospels, John the Baptist says this. He says, I am calling you to repentance. But there is one coming after me that is going to baptize you not just in repentance. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. He is going to baptize you and so much more. I am helping you understand what repentance is, but there is so much more. And they look at him and they say, we didn't even know the Holy Spirit existed. We didn't know there'd be a Holy Spirit. And I want to say this to you, stick with me this morning, but I want to say this to you kindly. There's a lot of churches where people grew up not knowing there was a Holy Spirit. Because you might have grew up in the church where we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. That's for those crazy Pentecostals over there. That's for the scary folks. That's for, we, we surely don't say Holy Ghost because, woo, that'll really scare some people. So we, there's churches, there's books written. Robert Morris has a book called The Forgotten God. It is literally about the Holy Spirit. It is the idea that we have preached the gospel, but we've left out the Holy Spirit because some people think it's too controversial. How are we going to talk about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How are we going to get through that without scaring everybody off? And so once again, we want to entertain people, so let's not preach about the Holy Spirit because we're going to scare some folks and they're going to run. And I want you to know today, number one, the Holy Spirit is not 
not scary. The Holy Spirit is not meant to run people off. And I believe without understanding a true doctrine and theology of the Holy Spirit, you are missing out on what it means to live for Christ. And here's the thing. There's a lot of churches can lead people to repentance, and that's great. We want people to go to heaven. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But here's the thing. I believe there is a fullness of the gospel. That your ticket to heaven, going to heaven when you die, that is the beginning, not the end. It is the beginning of a journey of following Jesus. And it's not just about saying, I'm going to heaven one day. It's about, God, I want to experience everything you have for me. I want to go to heaven. But while I'm here on earth, I want to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in everything you have for me. Amen. If you're on social media, I've said this before, but you know the little meme, it's funny. Do you need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? And honey, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart, Cash Saver, the mall. You need the Holy Spirit to drive on the highway. Amen. We understand the, the understanding of why we need the Holy Spirit. And so three things this morning. What does the Holy Spirit come to do? Three things. Number one, he has come to convict the world of sin. Convict the world of sin. John chapter 16, verse 5. Are you still with me this morning? Say amen. amen. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will he be in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Notice that John did not write there and say the Holy Spirit will condemn you. There is a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation leads to shame and guilt on your life. Conviction leads to repentance. The Holy Spirit came not to condemn you because Paul says in Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk according to the, uh, the Spirit and not according to the flesh. But the Holy Spirit comes not to condemn you. He comes to convict you. He comes to change you. He comes to get you to the place where you want to turn everything over to the Lord. Some of you, how many remember the movie Pinocchio growing up? The Disney, you know, the old one, not the not any new ones, the old one. There was this little character in Pinocchio, about this size, by the name of Jiminy Cricket. And here's the thing. Those movies, you know, I, I, I may have no problem watching them and I watched them growing up. They're, they're clean and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, when I we went to the movie store growing up, my family was very conservative. So we only had like one little section to pull from because these did not have curse words in them. And so we got to choose from these. And uh, mine was like Davy Crockett every time because that was one of the Disney movies I could watch. But we might pick up a, a cartoon like this. And, and because of that, that shaped the morality of America. Jiminy Cricket says, always let your conscience be your guide. Remember the song. Always let your conscience be your guide. And listen, that's good morally. Have a, have a moral compass. But here's the problem. That's not the gospel. Because your conscience and the Holy Spirit are not the same thing. I can prove it to you. If today you were taught growing up, if you were taught that eating meat was a sin, that literally if you eat any kind of meat, that it is wrong, that you should not do that. The first time you taste a hamburger, you're going to have the salvation experience, especially if there's bacon on there. Your mouth is going to just awaken to oh, kind of thing, you know. 
No, I'm just kidding. But here's the thing. Here's the truth. If you were taught that growing up, the minute you eat that, you're going to feel guilty. Listen, there's nothing wrong with, I have a lot of friends that are vegetarians, nothing wrong with that. But the truth is, that's neither sinful, good or bad. It's a choice you make. And, and here's the thing, but you would feel guilty for eating meat, even though it is not sinful. You would feel guilty because your conscience would tell you that it was wrong to do that because your conscience has been shaped by your environment. And the truth is this, our conscience comes from our fallen nature. So we have to be careful. We, can, we have to realize that our conscience and the Holy Spirit are not not the same thing. And so the truth is, we're not called to allow our conscience to convict us. We're called to let the Holy Spirit convict us. He's the one that convicts us. It's not about our conscience. It's about realizing that if we're not careful, we say, well, just always let your conscience be your guide. Listen, there is something about having a good moral compass and following that. But what I'm telling you is this, that ultimately the Holy Spirit has come to convict you of sin. He has come to tap you on the shoulder and say, do not do that. It's not going to go well for for you if you do that. He has come to show you the right way. We'll get to it in a minute, but I want you to know He has come to convict you. That still, small voice that speaks to us and He says to us, do not go that way. Don't make that turn. Listen to what is being said. And when you make that decision, listen to me, there are consequences, good and bad, by the decision that you make. And I believe we have to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us and to change us. Amen? Number two, I almost got into this, but let me say this first because I have several things on this point. Number two, the Holy Spirit is called to lead you and guide you. John 16, 12 through 13, I have many things to say to you, but cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. When I was 18 years old, I told you before I went to Israel, and while we were there, it, the, the tourism is such a big deal in Israel that they keep you away from a lot of things. For instance, we were um, taking communion one day at what they call the garden tomb. We're under this canopy. We heard this loud boom, and the canopy shook. And my dad said, that sounded like a sonic boom. Didn't think anything about it, didn't see anything, went about our business. Back then, we didn't have cell phones. We did, there was no way to call home but use a pay phone. It was like $60 for two minutes. So we called home real quick. My mom is losing her mind in Mississippi, where, she was, where we were from. She's losing her mind. What's wrong? Are you okay? She said they literally have gas masks out in, in Jerusalem right now taking people to shelter. And literally, we didn't know any of this was going on. We never did. We still didn't after that. But here's what, here's what we found out. That wasn't a sonic boom. It was actually a car that had exploded, a car bomb. And we didn't know about it. Our guide was good at taking us the right direction. One night, the guide said, we got a few hours tonight. We're just going to be in the hotel. If any of you want to go out, you can go down these streets shopping. It's safe. Help yourself. So me and this guy named Chris decide we're going to go shopping in downtown Jerusalem. So we go down there by ourselves, and we're, we're looking around trying to decide what to do. And we see a group of people gathered on the sidewalk. So we run up there, and I can't understand what they're saying. So I said out loud, English. Anybody speak English? English. And I'll never forget, this guy turns around, and as nonchalantly as you would say anything, he said, Bomb. 
And I turned around and I ran as fast as I could in the other direction. I mean, I, it freaked me out. Come to find out there was a paper bag left on a, on a, or a bag left on a park bench. They were scared. And the bomb squad was literally there. I want you to know something. I ran as fast as I could. And when I got to the hotel, we stayed in there. And the next morning, our, our guide's name was Moshe. I stood by Moshe and I said, I am not going anywhere unless you lead the way and show me where to go. How different would our life be if we treated the Holy Spirit that way? How different would our life be if we really believed the Holy Spirit led us and guided us into all truth? And so we said, Holy Spirit, I'm not going anywhere without you leading, guiding me. I don't want to go down these paths. I want to listen for your voice. And as you do, I'm going to go where you tell me to go. I'm going to walk in step with you, Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will not take you to places that will hurt you and harm you. He will take you to places that will lift you up. He will take you to places where He secures you. And if you will follow him, I'm not saying it will always be easy. It will still be painful in ways, but I want you to know this. He knows what he's doing. If you will trust him to lead you and guide you, he will take you down a path to where he wants you to go. Amen. I've told you this story before, but I was, when, when my dad um, and mom were away, I was home for college. And we got a phone call at our house. And th- there was a voice on the other line said, is this Daryl Blankenship? And I said, no, this is his son, Justin. And the voice said, can you please tell me where you live? I'm coming down from Arkansas. My dad's church at the time had had a revival going on several nights a week for two years. And they had people that came from Arkansas every week to attend the revival. And and the person said, I just want to know where you live at. Um, I'm from Arkansas, know you guys, I want to come visit. Most of the time, because we lived, at that time we didn't live in a parsonage, we had built a home, but everybody knew, small town, everybody knew where we lived, so I would just rattle off, 1024 South Pat Harrison Drive, just rattle it off and we'd you know, go on about our business. And I just rattled it off online, so now this is going to be on here forever. So. <laughs> and the voice, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, do not tell that person where you live. And I froze for a moment and I said, sir, I'm not comfortable doing this, but let me give you my dad's cell phone number and you can call him. And they were at another town at a different revival and, and I, I was at home and he said, I said, you can call them and talk to them. A few minutes later, the phone rang, it was my dad. And my dad said, did you get a call there? And I said, yes. And he said, well, this was so-and-so. And he, is, he says he is leaving Arkansas and he's coming there to murder me and he's going to kill me. And he said, did you tell him where we lived? And I said, no. I felt like the Holy Spirit told me not to. And he said, great. He doesn't know where we live. Now, it's a long story. The young man is not alive anymore. And um, he, he had tried one time before to, to kill my dad. And so it was a whole other story. But my point is this. In that moment... If I had not been in tune to what the Holy Spirit was saying, my parents were several hours away. He would have had a a, a good head start and could have gotten there and could have tried to kill us and take us out because he was wanting to do these intentions. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, do not tell him your address. And I went against everything that I normally did. But listen, I can't promise you I've always listened to that voice. But in that moment, I listened to that still small voice and I believe it's saved our life at the time. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you into all truth. And my question is, why don't you ask for help more? Quit trying to live life on your own. Quit thinking you've got it all figured out on your own. Quit thinking that you can make every decision by yourself. The Bible says this, that we have the Spirit of God and we know all things, which is funny. I've met some know-it-alls that thought they knew all things. 
Bible says you know all things. No, I don't. You're right. You don't. But guess what? If you are a believer in Jesus, and we'll get into what we believe about the baptism of the Holy Spirit next week. But listen, we believe, but here's the thing. When you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You've got the wisest, most powerful being spirit living on the inside of you. And if you will just ask, I believe God does not withhold wisdom from us. If you will ask, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. He will tell you what to do. He will say, this is the way, walk in it. But you've got to learn to surrender your life, open your ears and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying so He can lead you and guide you into all truth. Amen? And then number three, He empowers us to be a witness. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Listen to me. One of the things that the early Pentecostals believed that I love is that the Holy Spirit was not just given for us to have goosebumps in church. I grew up in the kind of churches I literally thought the Holy Spirit existed to help us have good services. So we could, we could have a fun time in church. And we could pray with each other and have a good time. And I believe the Holy Spirit empowers us for a lot of things. But Jesus said this, before the Holy Spirit ever fell in Acts chapter 2, that Jesus says this, he says, the Holy Spirit is coming. Go wait for the promise of the Father. And you're going to receive the Holy Spirit and you shall be my witnesses. Peter stands on the day of Pentecost and he's scared to death when he's standing there in front of the, the, the people that are asking him, do you know Jesus? He denies Jesus. He's scared to say anything about Jesus. He has no boldness. He has no courage. He hides out and says, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I don't know that Jesus. But now, 50 days later, he stands on the day of Pentecost and he begins to preach the gospel. And as he preaches, 3,000 people are saved in that one moment. And the church is birthed. Why? Because he had a boldness that he never had before. Listen to me. God has called you to be bold in your witness. He, I'm not talking about shoving religion down people's throats. What I'm saying is this, God has called you to boldly be able to declare to people that God has saved me, God has changed me, that your story may be the very thing that changes somebody else's life. And instead of us just sitting back and not saying anything, God has called us to open our mouth and to witness of the goodness of God, to witness of the grace and the mercy of God, to witness that I was in a pit full of sin, but He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock and He established my steps that we can boldly declare that God is good. We can boldly declare that God can save and transform that God saves to the uttermost that we serve a God that can change lives today and we are witnesses. What have you witnessed? What have you witnessed? Here's the thing. The early church witnessed Him. They witnessed the miracles. And you know what? I believe miracles are still for today. But you say, well, I don't see all those things. I think sometimes we need to reclassify some miracles. I'm not making excuses today. What I'm telling you is this. Do you realize the fact that God saved you is a miracle? The fact that God changed you is a miracle. 
The fact that you woke up today and you went about your life, that's a miracle. That is a miracle that we can be alive today. That we can see things happen. And I still believe God does supernatural things. The Bible says there in Acts that many unusual miracles were done by the hands of Paul. That Paul prayed for people. He got handkerchiefs and he laid them down on people and they were healed. That he, it, it, Later on it says their shadows healed them. Miracles happen. And here's the thing. I believe we don't have to have a disconnect. I believe we don't have to have a disconnect between here and what we experience, but I believe we have to learn to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. That I need Him every moment of every day. Amen. When the worship team join me, I'm almost done. Here's the thing about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. He comes to empower. And everywhere they go, understand something. They live in a society where they're hated. Christians are hated. Jews want them killed. Rome wants them silenced. Even if you notice right there, the Bible says that Paul left a few of those people because they talked bad about the way. The way was actually what the early Christians were called. They weren't called Christians at first. They were called the way. Why? Because they believed Jesus was the way. And they followed him. So they were called the way. So Paul says, there was some that did not like the way. So I left them and I found some people that wanted to know the gospel. And I preached to them for two years. Here's the thing. In the midst of a world that seems to be going crazy. In the midst of a world that within minutes, you can have anything you want, any kind of wrong thing you want at your fingertips. You can have things ordered. You can be watching things you shouldn't. When you, when you get with smartphones, you can have anything you need. You can text a friend within minutes. You've got it. In a world where it seems like our moral compass is going crazy and who even knows what anything is anymore. In the midst of this, in the midst of a world where everything, it just seems like everybody's idea is this. That I've been talking to our staff about this because it's something, but it's also true morally. What, what, what destroyed Israel was this. The Bible says everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Now, I've been talking about it. This is a staff that we have to communicate together. Everybody can't just do what they want to do because we're growing and we have to be on the same page. But you know what? Morally, it's even more true. The reason Israel destroyed, Israel destroyed itself from within because everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And we have a world right now. You know what the world tells you? If it doesn't hurt anybody, who cares? Let everybody do what they want to do. Let everybody just be themselves. Well, I'm sorry. Jesus said it very simply. There is one way to the Father. It's not eight different ways. There's not just any way you want to go. It's not just do whatever you want and in the end you're going to end up there. Jesus said this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And we believe there is a way to Him. And I believe the power of the Holy Spirit. Then how do I live in the midst of a culture that seems to be losing its mind? In the midst of a place, how do I I live and if it's not if I'm not careful I'll get caught up in the culture I'll begin to live like everybody else how do I understand that I am in the world but not of the world that I love everybody that I I want everybody to make it that we love everybody but we also have to stand up for truth and righteousness how do we do it and the truth is the bottom line how you do everything how you get through addiction how you get through family problems how do you get through job situations you will not do it on your own 
but you will do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And today, what many of us are lacking is just that surrender to the Holy Spirit to allow Him to convict us. If we listen to that voice, I believe all temptations, the Bible says that there is a way of escape. I believe that God allows us a way. It might be a second, but God allows that voice to say, don't do that. I believe he convicts us of sin. I believe that he leads us and guides us into all truth. And I believe the Holy Spirit has, in, has empowered us to be witnesses so that we can just stand up and declare the goodness of the Lord. And I believe when we live that kind of life, I believe as we live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're going to see the book of Acts come alive before us. We're going to see lives changed even more. We're going to see communities transformed. We're going to see things happen. And my prayer is, God, do it again. God, do it again. You're no respecter of persons, no respecter of times. Do it again. You poured it out at Pentecost, do it again. Father, we need you again like never before. What this world needs is the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can live the life God has called us to live. Will you stand to your feet? Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. I pray it was a blessing to your heart, and I pray that it challenged you and encouraged you. I want to say a prayer over whatever you're going through right now. We believe we serve a God who is more than able to minister, to make a difference. And so I want to say a prayer over you right now. Father, I just thank you for those that are listening right now, that you are working in their life in ways they can't even see, that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above what they could ever ask ask or think. I just pray for strength right now for the journey. I pray that you be with them, continue to touch them and strengthen them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you again for listening. We look forward to seeing you next week. If you want to find out more about us, you can go to our website at landmarkchurchok.com. We're on social media. We love you guys. Look forward to seeing you soon.